0: It's batting, Jim, but not as we know it. Hello, kids, This is big. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running. you off. We it. And now off.
1: Hey, you, get your damn hands
2: off her. Welcome to the Bashcast brought to you by BookieBashing.net, betting at 100.1 and above. This is Bashcast episode number 166. Stop me. We need to talk about the Euros. Stop me, yo, oh, oh, stop me.
0: Stop me if you think. You this one before Stop me Oh 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 stop me Stop me if you think that you've heard this one oh, it's not this change I still love you Oh I still love you but Only slightly only slightly less than I used you my love
2: It is thirteen minutes past two pm on Wednesday, the 23rd of December, 2020. we got time. we got time for just one more before Santa Claus arrives. You may have heard this one before. It is just me, I'm back two days before Christmas, all grown up to talk about week one of the darts, three quarters of the games in the PDC have completed, let's see how we're doing. Those wops I wanted to talk about last week, the one odds paddies, the your odds, the pips, the rabs, let's talk about them. After the break, the Gambling Commission wants some feedback. An opinion piece, what does the 2020 Venn diagram of advantage players look like? All of that and more coming up on the Bashcast tonight after a bit of Mark Robinson. I was Christmas Eve. We're coming up to the end of the last 32 in the darts. So that means we've got, we're going to be into the, the last 16. Hi darling, what do I want? You. What have you got there? The duck. What, what? What have you got there?
0: Chocolate.
2: What are the celebrations?
0: One. I'm having this
2: yeah, no, that's not a nice one. That's the purple one from the the Quality Streets. You sure you want it? You can have it if you want it.
0: Me, I don't.
2: No, okay. Shall I have it? Because I've unwrapped it now. You can have the bounties. You love bounties, don't you?
0: Where are the bounties again?
2: The bounties are these ones that have got coconut in them.
0: No. I'm going to try a different one today.
2: Which one are you going to try, darling?
0: After I've asked John, I'll
2: Okay. Alright. Yes, darling. Do you want to say hello to the microphone? No. No. Do you want to say hello to the Bashcast? No. Say Merry Christmas? Merry Christmas! <laughs> okay, there we go. Sasha on the Bashcast bringing quality streets into the office. Where are we? It's the last 16. Well, we're coming up to the last 16 of the um, of darts. All right. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Sorry. Last 16. The one sixteenth finals. So the last 32 players. That means there's 31 games left after this. I don't know how many there were in total because they didn't play all the round ones because loads of players got buys. I'm not quite sure how many players, but it would be in the region of 120 odd matches. So we've got 31 matches after this. So we've had about 75 Percent of the tournament. How are we doing? Well, we always talk about making money, so let's talk about not making money. Um, although, well, I, I was gonna suffix that with from a personal level, I'm not doing too bad, but that's just that's not right, that's not the right thing to do. I do want Bunting and Bolton who are in front of me, Peter, Stephen, Peter, Griffin, Bunting. Just to hit a load of 180s, because there was 180s all over the sh- the value shop floor in uh, William Hill in this game. So I don't care who gets them, as long as one of them does. And if they do, I'll turn it up. Oof! Bullseye for a 164 for for bunting. This is going to go three sets, and that's exactly what I want. Um. Yeah, before we get on to. Oh, good. And then after the 164, Bolton nearly throws a 140. It's exciting, the darts. This is what it's all about. I actually love the darts. Whether you're betting on it, whether you're winning or you're losing. Um, so, we've had 169 bets on the tracker. Uh, Bet each one to win £200 would be minus 640 at the moment for minus 4.1% ROI. As another 180 pops in in the bunting match, this is turning out to be a really good day if these guys keep peppering the 180s. So, yeah, so minus 4.1% over 169 bets. It's not that concerning. I mean, if it was 1,690 bets, perhaps it would be a little bit more concerning. But 141, you can't gauge anything um, off that number. So a bit of patience required Um, hopefully not too much more um and um the subsets of that are actually very interesting um so there's various different types of bets so we've got um player to win 303132 um which is just a sort of a, an assessment really that's borrowing the bookmaker's own lines to figure out that one or the exchanges when they're liquid. Um, there are players to have the most 180s in the match, and that's where we've been smashed. Uh, players to have the most 180s in the session and match to have the w- most 180s in the session. And that's actually where we've smashed it. Those bets, we've had 67 session bets on the tracker. So player to have the most 180s or match to have the most 180s. They've returned 122% ROI. So that's been a positive return. Um, as Bunton throws in another 180. Okay, 10 180s in this match. Oh, and another, hold on. Is this another? No, he just missed this one. Um... But where the negatives really been is um, there's been quite a lot of really low odds-on favourites um, losing, especially in the first week, in the 16th, 17th, um, the 18th was okay, but the 19th. Um, so you'd have got away with it if you didn't like betting on the 1.44s and the 1.75s and the 1.9s and the 1.67s. I mean, Andy Bolton... 1.67 to have the to have the most 180s in the match before the one I'm just watching just now against Dieter Hedman. I mean, they've had um, 11 180s in this match just now. But Andy uh, Bolton was playing Dieter Hedman. I'm trying to load up the 180s that he had. Uh, every time the microphone goes on in this house, knocks out the Wi-Fi. Just two um, 180s each in that match. So that was a one point four four that didn't that was a one point six seven that didn't come in. In the exactly the same day, Damon Heater against Baggish against the American Baggish, who is now my favourite player and left in the tournament, and I hope he he does very well. As Oh, he switched to the nineteens. Why do you switch to the nineteens, Bunting? Okay, look, I can't do I can't um I can't load any of these bleeding pages because The microwave's on it's stolen the internet in this house. So you're just going to have to trust me. Damon Heater, I think it was one... um, It was one 180 each in that match against Baggish. Um, Michael Van Gerwen to have the most 180s, even money. Um, Ratjaska to have the most 180s, 1.9. Match to have the most 180s, D'Souza and Ross Smith, 1.8. So all of these low odds-on um, bets have been losing. As we, are we going to have the 12th 180? Oh, on the wire. So if you like betting on your 1.44s, you're putting £454 down to win £200 on the liability, and some people do like that, that sort of um, lower-variance stuff, and um, it's just been getting smashed. And um, it's one of the reasons, I mean, just really in... Um, in 12 bets, which were all odds on, okay, so in 12 odds on bets out of the 141 that we put on the track, of then we've accounted for our entire loss margin and a chunk of profit right there. And that's, so that's just like, you know, less than 10% of the bets, 5% of the bets have accounted for that. At right, at, And it was right at the beginning of the tournament. So I've been looking around, quite a few people have um, recorded a loss up until now. People have sort of um, been losing either because the market's been getting it right, or we're not just talking about bookie bashing. I mean, I've been seeing people like Stater Dev they have Pilgrim and other places. It's just sort of a function of um, the way a kind of a few results went skew with at the beginning of the tournament. There were very few in the 80s, and there were a lot of ties. If you wanted to make money, you should just be playing placing them. Um, lucky 15s on a draw for the most 180s, because we were getting like 00 and one one, two two, three three, that kind of thing. So um, hopefully that's, you know, that's sort of in the past, we can turn that around, especially as we go into the longer formats, and um, um, that will slightly, um, you know, make form come through. Um, and, um, you know, 5% ROI isn't anything to be worried about after this amount of... Uh, bets and we can turn it around Um, certainly today anyway and I wanted to talk about in particular was the William Hill your odds markets Um, uh, these seem to be brilliant now what William Hill do is the booster line they'll say for example over 31 um, 180s is 6 to 1 off the top of my head right and you can maybe get £50 pounds on that. And the problem with William Hill, and they've always had this problem, is that anyone that bets on a couple of boosts, they put these boosts up to restrict casual mug punters, and then anyone that takes advantage of them, they just restrict pennies. They they do the same with golf. They offer up eight places to try and attract, you would think, mug golf punters, and then anyone that comes to William Hill and bets on eight places gets restricted. So... Um, as always, the left arm doesn't know what the right arm is doing. The good thing about B- William Hill is that there is a proliferation of shops and they have the Urods and the T machine. So if you can get into a shop and you can get onto the machine, and not everybody can, as my children are running around and screaming underneath me, if you can get into the shop and you get on, then you can get into the Urods, right? So... They will price up over 31, and it can be bad, and it can be marginally good, as I think they want the boost to be, and it can be crazily good. Now, that's the boost. The your odds, the limits are much higher, and they don't just do the one line. They do every odd-numbered line for some reason. I don't know why it's not every integer. So they'll do, say, over 21 180s, over 23 180s, over 25 180s, over 27 180s, over 29, over 31, over 33, over 35, over 37, 180s. But they'll use the same mean, their own expected 180s for each bet. And if they're off and out, then every one of those will be either bad, or really bad or good, or sometimes really good. That doesn't mean they'll win. You see, William Hill could offer a million to one on there being over two 180s, and there could still be one 180 in four matches, right? So just because... There's loads of purple. It doesn't guarantee us that we'll turn a profit. All we've got to do is keep on betting on value over and over again, and we'll see the profit sooner or later. Um, now, sometimes I think that there can be a perspective that these can't be right because we're only putting the good ones up. You see, we don't, why would we put the bad ones on the tracker? It's sort of a waste of our time. It's a waste of time of anyone looking at it. So I think it might look like they're always good, whereas, in fact, about one in three sessions is good, but then every bet within that session is good. And there's a litmus test for it if you want to test it yourself. And that litmus test is um, you can bet under 180s at various different bookmakers, uh, at Skybet, at Bet365, at loads of different places. If you take the same line at William Hill and the same line at another bookmaker and find that you have a Dutch if you add up the probabilities and it comes to less than 100%, then you can bet on both and make a profit. So then you say, well, one of them has to be wrong. And perhaps both of them are equally wrong, but that's unlikely. It's more likely that one of them is wrong. The question is, which one of the two is wrong? You, we could, Well, at bookie bashing, we have our own expected 180s. That helps us kind of figure out which bookmaker is wrong, which bookmaker is right. But you can do it yourself without bookie bashing, just by saying, okay, well, I can form a Dutch... Here with two different prices, which side are the majority of the bookmakers on? Right, because the majority of the bookmakers will tend to be right, and it will be one bookmaker that is wrong. Um, uh, and I've just lost carriage band here. Where's it gone? Let me try and get it back. There, you're still recording. Um, the and it will be the single bookmaker who is wrong and is on the other side of the line. And in this case, it's been William Hill all over the time. And you've got massive value on the 180s. There have been four sessions where there have been big 180s. How many sessions have we had? Let me just do this in my head. We've had a week's worth, seven days. We've had 14 sessions, and I think it's been four sessions where... William Hill have been completely opt. And it was actually the one that's happening in the background just now with bunting and Bolton just finishing with 11 180s. And it was last night where over 27, over 29, over 31, over 33, over 35 and over 37 were all good. And there were 35 180s. So three of those five came in, Uh, the best value there being 4.5 to back, 4.04 fair odds. So to be fair, that wasn't huge, but they were all good. Uh, and then the Monday evening session, the night before, over 27, 29, 31, 35, and 37 were all good. Uh, and over 35 came in at uh, 6.5 to back and 4.92 fair odds. As I've got a typo here, so just whilst I'm on the fly, let me correct that typo. Okay. Uh, and then the one before then there was one more session and it was the hardy session where is, where is it 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 there um it was the 20th whatever day the 20th was plus saturday or sunday um over 31 over 23 25 27 29 31 were all good and um, none of them came in. There were, so even over 23, which was 1.75 to back, and 1.55 fair odds, it didn't come in. You see, it doesn't, this is the point. It can be mega value. What if William Hill offered a billion, billion trillion to one on there being over 21 uh, darts? I mean, I could be playing my pal, and that would be value, despite the fact that we never throw 180s, because the odds are huge. Um, and that's all you can do. You can just keep on betting on odds that are higher than we make the expectation to be and we can benchmark that expectation either against the bookie bashing lines on the x180s tool or if we don't um if we want extra additional litmus testing then look use the underline from other bookmakers and see if there are duchess around and then if there are duchess around try and prove which side william hill's on is it on the good side of the bad side um, it's an inexact science but there you go so uh, we're coming into the last three quarters now, we're going to finish today uh, and have a break until Sunday, until we're into the last 32 players. I want baggish to win it, he's not going to, because he's like, what is he, 500 in the exchange, but he just seemed like quite a cool guy when he won his second round match, he beat Adrian Lewis, my wife's boyfriend as I call him, and... Um, uh, has never been this far. I don't don't know. It's just because you want darts to be a popular sport. Trust me, you want all sports to be a a popular sport in America. That can only be a good thing for the sport. I had a page up with the markets. Oh, it's over here. That's why it's on a different screen. No one's really moved. Uh, No massive surprises so far. If I want baggage, I can get him at... 670 to win the tournament I don't really want that it's not, that's not too interesting Stephen Bunting has just won 190 he didn't look convincing to be fair there's only three players under 10 to 1 uh, Michael Van Gogh and favourite Go and Price and Peter Wright none of them have really shifted that much in the outright Peter Wright has drifted a little bit which I find I don't know it didn't seem that he was playing particularly badly so perhaps there's just some smart money running some calculations on his um, 180s per leg Dimitri van den Berg is 13 and Michael Smith is 18 um, uh, and uh, uh, the bar is 27 for the rest of the tournament so um, will we pull it out of the bag from minus from 4.1% down um, I reckon we are 70-30 we're, I reckon we're 70% we'll end up in profit it won't be huge um, the unluckiness will continue and um, we'll end down although um, uh, the way this is going with the 180s this afternoon it might be sooner rather than later. Digging this one out of the file um, kind of didn't forget about it last week. I actually recorded the segment and then uh, recorded over it on GarageBand because I'm an idiot, because I looped something. I looped it, and then it went on forever, which re-recorded over it. Let's talk about WAPs. Um, let's talk about WAPs and Yo's, Pips and Rabs. These are Pick Your Punts at Betfred. What Odds Paddies at Paddy Power. Your Odds at William Hill. And Request a bet. At Skybet. Somebody said I read that Skybet invented them, I don't know how true that is. This is where you take a combination of things to happen. Mostly in football matches, but it could be any in any sport. Uh, and then you offer odds on them. And there's they're great to bet on. There's, there's no two ways about it. They're great to bet them for a couple of different reasons. One, limits are higher, two and limits are high because bookmakers want you to bet on them because they think they're all bad. But they're not all bad. They're really not. And you can prove it in some cases. Like, it's just undeniably true that some bets are good. Here's a tip for trying to work it out. You, There are some request to bets or, uh, um, the, or um, paddy power, the what odds paddies, the wops. There are some rabs or wops that can be calculated or estimated and benchmarked from a liquid exchange using an OR. for example paddy power quite easy they do a team to win or two two nil or three nil and these are not boosted prices but it could be 120 percent ev um sky Bet stick team to win and over 2.5 or both teams to score in under some rabs so you you just know if they're good they're quite easy to work out so, some rabs can be worked out um, and they can just be big. Uh, another way of doing it, SkyBet used to be weird, they don't do it as much anymore. They have a market for corners and they'll, under that they'll have three plus corners each half, four plus corners each half, five plus corners each half. There generally isn't fewer than three or higher than five in the market because that's quite get, rare. You normally have about an a yeah, I mean, of 4.5 corners in the first half, so the spread being 3, 4, or 5. And they'll have a price for it. So, that, for example, they'll have even money for 4 plus corners in, in both halves. And then, if you look under the requester bets, they'll they'll have the same bet, but it'll be higher. So it's like they've cut the market under the corners, but they haven't cut it under the requester bets, or they started the requester bets with a higher price. No one knows why. Tweed. It's weird i've got to say they do it less so these days Skybet used to have loads of requester bets i think they've, they've they've got a little bit sharper on them in the last few months betting on the request bets at Skybet certainly has benefits in terms of account regeneration uh, multiple instances of that happening so there you go you're betting on like plus ev stuff and you're getting the traders to reverse the damage in your account. Not every account, some accounts have just been hammered to death and they're unrepairable, but some accounts. In order of value, Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook are about 90% of what's out there. Then it's William Hill, then it's Skybet, then it's Betfred. Betfred used to be worse and now they're just tight. Because if anything becomes plus EV, they've got this horrible thing that they do where they, they they'll palp it even if it's 110 percent. sometimes they palp it which is really annoying so it's like you bet on Dortmund to win and there being over 11 corners in the game which again is something that or if, if it was over 10 corners you could work that out directly from the exchange if the over 10.5 corner uh, market is liquid on the exchange just multiply the two there's no real massive inclusivity in that bet any coefficients to worry about uh, and what you could have is you know, you could have a hundred and ten percent, hundred and twenty percent EV bear and then Fred Void, it, which is really not on. So they've got the fewest, and really lately it's mostly been around either team to win and over two point five goals, either team to win and over three point five goals, those kind of things, which you can sort of just do from NOR from the correct score market. Anyway, it's not as complicated it's not a complicated sum. But Fred I can live without. Then in the next is Skybet, with the request of bets. The recent one that seems to always be quite high is over 2.5 goals in the game and two plus corners each team each half. That's just always quite high. Occasionally some of their four plus and five plus is high and they still offer value when a team steams, but they do cut both for weight of money and prices moving in the 1x2 market. And so... Tracking and automation is really necessary for them. Then we get to William Hill. Uh, William Hill is the same old bets every time, and I'm looking at it in front of me now: uh, in Celtic uh, and Rangers, at least one card in each half is always value. And I, what I challenge you to do. So I've seen the argument; and it's fair. How can it always be value? And generally, it is value for a lot of games. It's always that bet. So how can surely that we're estimating it wrong? Here's what I would say. Go and find another bookmaker that offers a higher price than William Hill for at least one card in each half. I haven't found one. Uh, Similarly, over one card in each half can be good. Um, Then, on some matches, they don't track the over 2.5 price coming in and the prices that become good when the over 2.5 price steams because they set these the day before. So they could set them the day before. Over 2.5 is you know, 2.2, and then it steams into odds on. The XG in the match has gone up. They've, they've got the same odds for the OR odds. And that makes the following um, generally good. Uh, both teams to have over one goal. They're being over one goal in each half. They're being over two goals in each half. Both teams to have over two goals. Um, in the Man United-Leeds match on the weekend, um, over one goal in each half... Both teams to have over one goal uh, and over two goals in each half were all value. Um, The over two goals in each half, 17 you could get at William Hill, 13.1 was the fair odds coming up to kickoff, And 6-2, what more can you ask for? Just everything came in. Um, And then they often just have slightly different corners, lines on some teams, and what that will mean is... Um, you know, Celtic to have over one corner in each half, Celtic to have over two corners in each half, Celtic to have over three corners in each half, um, can all be value when the basically when the corners line is slightly different from whoever has been setting it at William Hill to us. Um, again, some more feedback is that you can't guess at these, you have to be precise. Well, I don't think anyone precise on them because all the bookmakers models themselves differ you check a model at bet 365 and the bet builder against william hill against betfair sportsbook it's not just the prices that are different it's the composition of those prices that are different you start adding on corners they consider grouping and clustering differently so we've got our own way of considering clustering and grouping um there's an argument that. Their scenario planning has to go in. So a team, if they're, for example, five nil up at half time, have less impetus to go out and score in the second half. I've definitely seen extremely high scoring first halves. Rarely see extremely high scoring second halves. This is true, um, but often, or perhaps it's a um, FA Cup match with an underdog or a relegation battle where if a team is one nil up at half time, they're parking the bus. And there's definite scenario planning in that. We haven't included scenario planning in the combinations calculator, but looking at historical 2000 bets um, that have had the word half or halves in it, so that'd be win both halves or each half of this, uh, something happening in the halves, um, they are, well, they've shown quite a significant, probably the most well performing bet so far this year. So all they can do is be improved from an already good position. But Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook, as I said, were ninety to ninety-five percent of the bets. Uh, and what they offer in their what odds paddies? Well, they offer the power prices. The litmus test, well, you like a litmus test in this episode this week. The litmus test is looking for both teams to score an over three point five goals. Couple of ways of working out that. The real way of working out that is to create a correct score market up to an insignificant amount, like a million to one. Uh, and then just add up all of the score lines that are both teams to score and over 3.5. A sort of cheating way of doing it uh, on the exchange would be to take the both teams to score price and subtract from that um, 1 all, uh, 2 1 and 1 2 because those are the three prices that are under 3.5 and wouldn't for, be part of that. The problem is. You've got to work out four different fair odds there. You need a fair odds for both teams to score, for 1-1, for 2-1, for 1-3. Do you use the lay, the back, the midpoint, the last traded price? And every time you add in a little bit of um, error or margin into a calculation where there's one component, two components, three components, four components, the error range that you're creating throughout that um, calculation is growing linearly with every single Uh, component that you're adding into the calculation. It's much better to have a single figure. On the Game Center, we have created our version 2, where we started off in version 1 with a pass-on distribution of the team to score, home team to score, and the way team to score, and we just multiplied those two together. Now, we, in version two, we hinge nil-nil to the exchange. There's your bias sorted out, because a lot of games have nil-nil bias in them. And we redistribute the odds with an adjusted probability distribution. And for the most part, that correct score market is now exactly the same as what the market makers are using on the exchange With the benefit that we can now count up past 3-3, we can add all score lines up to a million to one, and therefore we can work out the fair odds of any tertiary, secondary, market. And all of those calculations are going to feed into the advanced calcs in January or February next year on the tracker. Um, but what we'll do is we'll publish a comparison report of loads of different games where we have the correct score market for bookie bashing, the correct score market that was on the exchange, just to really show how similar it was, and try and identify those few areas where it was different. Can can we can we come up with a reason for why it was different? as there a bias in the market for any particular reason? Looking so BTTS and over three point five is a really good litmus test at Paddy Power because if that's good, everything's good. Paddy Power do bets, and I'm looking at them just now, such as Celtic versus Ross County. They do three-plus goals, three-plus cards, and six-plus corners. Three goals, four cards, and six corners. Three goals, five goals. And they do sort of every permutation of three and four goals, three, four, five, and six cards, and six or nine corners in the game. So the very minimum you want is three, three, six, and the maximum is three, six, nine, sorry, four, six, nine, and BTTS. And what I love doing, and what I have been doing throughout the latter half of this year, is I've been betting on all of them. Um, all of the plus EV ones in the market. And when you hit 4, 6, 9 and BTTS, every single one of them has won, And I get a clean sweep and a massive payday. And if half of them win, I do very well. And if maybe one or two of them win, I get my money back. And of course, if it ends up nil-nil, then I've lost a chunk. But trust me the chunk that I've lost, I've only won from Paddy Power in the long run. Um, the only thing... the they, I, I don't ever bet on boosts on Paddy Power, despite spending the whole, whole time with bookie Bashing putting boosts on the tracker. I don't want to risk this account. So I don't bet on boosts. I just bet on what odds Paddy's. They seem to not be restricting me because they think they're bad. Um, and it's one of those... There's so many plus EV bets at Paddy Power when one or two means are different to what they're using. The other two that they have there are team to win um, and have the most corners and the least cards. Now, it's not that that doesn't steam in with teams. So, for example, when Chelsea steam in or Newcastle steam in, they do cut those bets, but they're really slow to cut them. And also... The original estimation that they're using just seems to be too high anyway. I challenge you, go out and find another bookmaker that has a higher price, even if you add in some coefficients and scenario planning that if a team has got goals, it's going to have fewer corners. Um, One of my biggest earners is that. But my biggest earner uh, at Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook is team to win both halves and have the most corners in both halves. Um, We've had something in the region of, I'm just getting up here on the spreadsheet, 224 of these bets, gosh, quite a lot, um, this year at Paddy Power, um, for an ROI of just under 10%. Yeah, just under 10%, 8%. Um, but the thing is, of the 224, we've only had 15 winners. And the reason that the ROI is so good is that the average odds are 30 to 1. 30 to 1 is the average odds on those bets. Um, they're huge. They can be 50 to 1. Newcastle were 100 to 1 the other day. 126 to back, 101 fair It's a major problem putting them on the tracker because they can be quite decent TV, but when you're putting things that are 30 to 1 up um maybe fair odds 26 27 they could lose 200 times in a row and that's within expectation my problem is I can't put something up on the tracker that loses 200 times in a row because people start to lose faith with it um what if I was putting up something that was um you know fair odds 10,000 to 1 and we were getting a million to one on it. Well, the problem is people would bet on it 5,000 times in a row and then they would turn around and claim that it's nonsense. Um, and so it's difficult putting up singles at 30 to one. It really is. Nobody tips singles at 30 to one. Even Channing with his long uh, long odds horses over Emporium will, um, will have a few horses in the same race and not just a single at 30 to one. And even and then, then it will usually be each way. Uh, so the variance of singles at 30 to 1 is just outrageous. And 15 winners of, uh, out of 224 has returned profit. But um, I think my strategy going forward is this is something that I don't need the pressure of a losing run on. <laughs> so the information is there using the combinations calculated sitting in the background. And if you want to go and bet on them, you can do some exploration and investigation yourself they are available in paddy power shops on the individual game sheets um uh, as well as online as well uh, they are my major um earner of the latter half of the year with the team to win the game have the most corners and the least cards coming up in second and then just ha- looking forward to a clean sweep of those um two plus three plus four plus five plus goals is next i was going to get on the um, the Celtic game, and the Rangers game. Uh, They kick off in 14 minutes. So um, to wrap up this segment, let me just say that um, up until now, would you believe that all of these games, I have individually gone in myself, copied the markets into an Excel spreadsheet, and then had a look at each of the bets to see if they are good or not. The issue with that is that there's no long-term automation. When I go on holiday, they stop appearing on the tracker. We've now um, managed to build an automated tracker. The bets sit on their own just now in their own table over where the data lab is and the detailed calcs and the combinations calculated. There's a a tab there for combinations bets, combo bets. They're only there for a little while until Lee can figure a way of feeding them into the main track and then they'll be back. Probably. Don't take my word for that, but that's the plan. Unless people like them separated over here, we might take a poll, okay? But that's where you can find them just now. And the bot goes and asks Paddy for the bet, calculates itself through the combinations calculator and then puts it up here. There's no manual verification of the odds, which they had before. So, um, you know, buyer beware. Things can go wrong. Um, But at least this means that every single game can be looked at without me being there. I think... We are grabbing the results. That's the plan. I'm doing some copying and pasting anyway, just in case it, um, something goes wrong with that. But I think, the, I'm hoping without guaranteeing it, if we can't grab the results, it's only going to be a very short period of time that we're missing But over the Christmas period. But that's where they are just now. Um Go and have a look at them. They are a serious earner. They are the kind of thing that once Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook, are this giant flutter organisation, once they bring some people in to start looking at auditing where the profit and loss is seeping and things like that, they'll find it. I mean, it's not just advantage players betting on this. There'll be ordinary mug punters. They'll find that these bets are wrong, especially win both halves and most corners in each half, but also just the average... 3 plus, 4 plus, 5 plus, whatever. One day they'll be gone. Um, they'll, they'll be gone and we move on from them to the next edge. Um, but if you want to bet on them just now, um, that's where they are. They're available on the combinations bet tracker over by the data lab section of the bookie bashing tools. Okay, guys, that is enough for the first half. I need to go out and top up a Christmas glass of wine you should do the same thing and as a reminder you've been listening to the Bashcast and it's brought to you by bookiebashing.net International Thief Thief ITT, Armonica and Mo Black mix. by Fila Kuti, Armonica and Mo Black. Released 2020. In the bookie bashing news. We talked about it last week. I'm not going to cover a long segment, an old ground. But uh, the Gambling Commission have now gone um, one step further and have asked. So, this is last week we were talking about that they are reviewing customer deposits, customer interaction um, with bookmakers and casinos and operator behavior and whether operators need to be forced to raise their standards in terms of um, identifying how much a customer can afford to bet and is losing and so on and so forth. Um, And the big risk here that everyone that is significant, it's a significant risk, is that one, they impose what is being suggested a £100 a month maximum loss per customer. And secondly, that they um, impose this without forethought, without proof, without evidence um, of the overall benefit and the risks that it has to the overwhelming majority of people. Now, talking on this subject to advantage player, there's a double-edged sword, um, often um advantage players, well, operators will use Know Your Customer's um, processes in order to identify advan- and restrict advantage players. So they they have, over time, abused the Know Your Customer um, processes for their own financial benefit. Um, and for a long time, they should have been removed. There should have been some sort of interim between the customer um, and the operator paid for by the licenses through the Gambling Commission that not only did know your customer um, um, identification for them, but also, in my opinion, that's not far enough, that they should act as escrow and they should hold on to the money so that in dispute it's not the bookmaker that, has, uh, that can act as judge, jury and executioner on all disagreements between customer and bookmaker without them having to go to court, apropos of nothing by the way, I've been itching to talk about my court case with William Hill for so long now, and it's dragging on, and I'm not going to say anything whilst it's dragging on, um, um, and I hope to have said something by now, but as soon as I can we will be getting on to that, anyway the gambling commission have gone um a step further and have i've I've asked for a call for evidence uh remote customer interaction consultation and call for evidence so if you are have anything to say about this process that is ahead of us if you have um any thoughts any comments any worries any evidence any um facts anything that you want to say from your side of the fence even if it's an, as an advantage player which is the kind of weird side of the fence because um we have to a lot of us have to sort of take a stance that allow us to bet at the harm of others perhaps but whatever it is there's no point in sitting back and complaining about it if you haven't said anything and this is your chance to say something and I encourage you to now the gambling commission my god they haven't done themselves any favors here they really haven't um i spent a long time working for a uh, large multinational international company at senior management level um before jacking it in to bet on darts for a living um and one thing that i um that Sort it was really drilled into us as very important, especially in complex engineering terms that we had to get these principles across to um, the government in Westminster. The important thing was to strip down all of the complex technicality to be clear and concise. Um, and if that kind of means that if you're the technical expert... You need to talk to the non-technical experts in a language that they can understand, at a pace that they can understand, and at a volume of content that they understand. There's no point in taking a man off the street uh, and taking him through the longitudinal profile variance mapping of every square millimetre of the M25 motorway because there's so much to teach him to get him up to speed that... He's going to be lost in the detail, but you can give him an overriding view of the approximate condition and changing condition over time and the risks that has. So it's about translating it. Well, I have gone through this remote customer interaction consultation and call for evidence. It's a complete mess. It's so overcomplicated and it requires the user to give up an un- unreasonable amount of time for anybody. If you want to read every word of this and consider every answer across, I think, the 19 pages of answers that they require in this online survey, I think you might have to give up four to six hours clear thinking time at the desk, which is ridiculous for anybody. They can't, they're almost asking other people to do their work for them. If there are specialists in the field that require four to six hours to get the point across to the gambling commission, they should be inviting them in to be doing presentations and to be doing board table discussions and round table discussions and things. Not doing 17 pages of online. I care deeply about this subject and I have my own thoughts and I, towards the end, couldn't be bothered to get to the end because I have other things to do despite the fact that this directly affects the direction of my future. However, they say on their site and it is consult.gamblingcommission.gov.uk slash author slash remote customer interaction consultation and call. Uh, Or just go on my Twitter and I think I retweeted somebody that that was putting the link up. If um, you're an advantage player. If Or even more importantly, if you're the 97% that lose money but enjoy and get enjoyment from life over the amount of money that you put on sport and horse racing uh, whilst watching it, then this is definitely worth trying your best to get to the end. I wonder if they were deliberately trying to put people off. Um they say, uh, whilst some operators have continued to improve their processes on customer interaction, and this is true, I have seen improvements. Uh, dealing with bookmakers in the 2000s isn't the same as dealing with bookmakers in 2020. Um, withdrawals of a month to two months were common in the early 2000s. And now you get annoyed if it's not hit your bank by the same evening. And um, generally, customer interaction is better. But um, our casework and lived experience evidence shows that operators are not setting thresholds for action at appropriate levels and that they are not taking the appropriate action or acting quickly enough when they do identify risk or potential harm. Businesses, I think, that have been proactive for this. Skybet, Bet365, I can see that they're pushing tools and they're, they're being proactive. And perhaps there's an element of they're being proactive in order to protect their long-term profits because they don't want the Gambling Commission to be coming in. And I'll tell you this, if you think that the Bet365 were spending millions on defending the court case against that girl from Northern Ireland who, at 18 years old, had deposited £20,000 and placed it on Lucky 15s on a Tuesday evening in Bath, then you've got to believe that they're going to have some financial backing behind the lobbyists that are going to be on the opposite side of this debate. The GC continue, where we have identified failures to meet the requirements, we have taken compliance and enforced action and will continue to do so where we see failings. However, it's important that all operators learn the lessons of this casework and and that we raise standards to prevent the risks for consumers. It is in the interest of consumers to ensure that minimum standards are implemented consistently across the industry and does not rely on the commission taking enforced actions against individual operators. There's nothing wrong with that. It's all sense. As part of these new requirements, we propose that online gambling operators must act on information they have about a customer's vulnerability and to introduce stronger requirements, including that operators must conduct defined affordability assessments at thresholds set by the Commission. It's these thresholds that the Commission set that we must ensure are set fairly and evidence-based and aren't, um, I mean... You, you, hundred percent. You can ensure that when it comes to management within the gambling con- commission, they're going to err on the side of safety. There, it's easier for them to say, "Let's restrict the ability of the customer to lose," than it is for them to say, "Let's allow the customer to have feedback." That's that's easier because. Those restrict um, Allowing customers to bet a little bit more freely doesn't follow them throughout their career if nothing goes wrong. Whereas, whereas if you restrict the, uh, the operator now, nothing can go wrong. So it's easier for them on a personal level, but that doesn't mean it's right. They say we want to minimize the risk of unintended consequences. Minimizing risk is a dangerous game when everybody has different risk profiles this consultation explores the risks we have identified and how we as a regulator the industry and other key stakeholders including the financial sector could help to mitigate these risks i have to say as well it's not just the operators that have been failing to implement standards themselves and being proactive about it. I would say that there is an element of the gambling commission asking other people to do their job for them here. Yes, they should be taking surveys and listening to people, but it is not the job of the customer to be setting these thresholds for the gambling commission. They should have experts in, they should have employed people in the industry who already have this information. I'm not going to read it all it's the most text heavy thing that you've ever ever gone through in your entire life but they do say we are consulting because we have compelling evidence that the current thresholds are too high and bloody ours so we are going to propose changes and they want to know what these changes are Um, and you can go on here and you can give 17 pages of uh, your opinion of what you think the changes should be and if you don't and if every advantage player doesn't And if everybody that doesn't enjoy a bet every now and again on the horses, or does enjoy a bet every now and again for fun and loses money, if they don't, then the only people that are going to submit their feedback are the lobbyists who are anti-gambling, who are anti-freedom, anti-personal choice, and if you want to be a little bit sinister, perhaps are financially invested in some of the tech companies that are going to have to be brought in to monitor spending habits across a multitude of different platforms at the same time. Heaven forbid, they could be at the front of this drive for a gambling commission consultation as well. Go and have a look at it. Go and have your say. And if you don't say anything... Be prepared to take whatever the result is of this rather interesting and mm, scary consultation that the gambling commission are going to be undertaking over the next few months. Mm-hmm. All right, so that just about wraps it up for 2020. Maybe I'll do a music on the bashcast next week. Maybe I won't. <laughs> the kids get older. Just less time to be had. Looking back in 2020, I probably had fewer bashcasts than ever before. Even though lockdown, you'd think we'd have more time. But doing nothing took up a lot of my time this year. So we'll see. Ah, Fewer bashcasts anyway. It's better content because you're not stretching it out anymore. I thought I'd finish this uh, year, or this one anyway, with a view, with an opinion piece on the current state of Advantage play and Advantage players um, in the UK, a few in the US uh, in late 2020. Um, I have been around doing this for best part of two decades now. I've seen things... Um, oh, yeah, huh? two decades. Gosh, what? how is it 20 years since the year 2000? That's not right. That was a couple of years ago. And I've seen things change in shape. But recently, things have changed more dramatically than they ever have before. And that's probably no coincidence with the proliferation of how easy it is to share information between people. But the old statistic that I've always heard that still doesn't seem to have changed is um, they say, and I don't know who they are, but those with the stats say 97% of people that gamble tend to lose money, whether they're gambling on bingo lottery uh, whether they're gambling on sports um uh, and just having their mug punter um their mug on the weekend um they're just losing money and that's really what the gambling industry is about it's for it's not for it's not there really to serve the 3% that win but the question is who is the 3% that win How have they changed over time? What does the Venn diagram of the 3% of people who extract money out of the the gambling industry look like? So now, there are no firm stats on this. Nobody's keeping records. The gambling industry themselves don't like to talk about it. No one ever really references advantage players. Whilst there are a few very famous ones um, in the sports betting world that are... A a light is shone on, especially by the likes of Star Sports and the Racing Post and things like that. And in other forms of gambling, such as poker, which can be aspirational because the house is going to take rake no matter who wins and who loses, and it's customer on customer. So they can, therefore, they can highlight winning players as professional players. But across the rest of the advantage play market... Um, it's not discussed openly by the industry. Um, It's kept hush-hush, mostly because they don't want people to be getting involved with the advantage play and taking money away from the gambling operators. It makes sense. It makes business sense. It's not like they're going to turn around and say, hey, you could be card counting, so why don't you come and play cards at our casino? They're never going to say that. So this is all my opinion. And... I've made a few categories of the Venn diagram of advantage players. Uh, Do I know every single technique for extracting money out of the gambling industry? No. I think I know a few. I certainly don't know them all. And I'm not including in here fraudsters. So I'm sort of, you know, if you're stealing money, an example would be um, a guy from... Was it Moldova a couple of years ago turned up at the World Series of Poker? this complete unknown. And he starts destroying the high-stakes heads-up match. And the way he's done it is he has an ink on his fingers and he's marking the cards and he's wearing a certain type of sunglasses where the tint of the sunglasses, he can see the mark on the cards and nobody else can. Well, the guy isn't an advantage player. He's a fraudster. He's a cheat. So... He, Those guys are not getting included in this list. Another technique that some people propose is that in a casino, eh, if you're playing blackjack, sit on the last seat, and um, the dealer will deal the cards. And let's say you have an opportunity to double up. Wait until the dealer is looking over at seat one, and put your double up chips right next to or on top of your chips whilst they're not looking at you and everyone's looking at what's happening on seat one. Um, And it's kind of like you can get away with this scot-free because if someone like the floor comes over and says, what are you doing? You say, well, I'm doubling up and you act all innocent but if they don't notice that you've doubled your chips up and then they come and ask you to if you want to double up again you can essentially quadruple up well do you know what you're doing there you're a fraudster you're cheating it's completely it's outside of the fair play system so you're not getting included in this venn diagram i have in my venn diagram 1 2 Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven people that, or sets of people that I consider. Now, weirdly, there has never been a period of time where of the 3%, which we're now going to consider the 100%, the 100% of the Venn diagram being the advantage players, at least in the UK, but I can see this definitely branching out into America as sports betting becomes more popular over there. There's never been a time. When so many people who form a percentage of the advantage play community are in the same bracket are in the same circle, and that is the current matched better circle um match betting has eaten itself through an explosion of its own popularity, and I think about ninety five percent of people who do advantage play come under the match better uh umbrella and that's either sign up bonuses free bets are they still a thing does anyone get free bets anymore well okay if you still do free bets uh, and arbitrage essentially so th- those three tools um so you know if you're just basically betting both sides of something you're the match better um it first as far as i was aware um what was that old forum you see, it's closed down now. What was it called? It was called The Gambling Times. I think that it had first taken on a popularity in The Gambling Times where people were discussing, you know, the backing and the laying. And then um, it was put up on Martin Lewis's Money Saving expert site around about 2005, 2006, 2007, um, and then was popularized by um, Mike Krushank, by Sam Stoffel in the early 2013, 20- 12 13 14 15 and um, especially the Sam Stoffel side of things was very aggressive in it, the way that they would market this and I think completely ludicrously as a legitimate income stream in fact they, there were references to doing it as a full-time job my god the idea of most advantage players the satisfaction from problem solving with match betting the fact that you can take a price from a piece of software and another price from a piece of software and click two buttons and then come out with 10p at the end of it, well, it's not a legitimate full-time job. Um, so that's 95%. And another, I would say, about 80%, at least currently, It's and that that number has grown from about 20% five years ago, are the online casino Bonus, because um, there's no way of beating an online casino. Generally, slots have an RTP that don't pay you. The only way you win is that you, ha- if you have a bonus associated with it. There was the old blackjack um, random number generators in the late 2000s at um, Ultimate Bet, where the they they cycled through 100 uh, shuffled cards, decks of cards that were shuffled in exactly the same order. So if you noticed. The order at any point you could go through 500, five hundred five thousand two hundred cards write them down and then you could figure out what the next card was coming well you could make a lot of money playing blackjack like that but it didn't last for long and those days are long gone so the only way to make money out of casino bonuses is through bonus exploitation and I think that's about 80 percent they're the they're the known ones let's park those just for now the next one is um, a dying art, Backgammon. Um, those guys that go out and win the big US Open, the Chicago Open, um, Mazayuki Um The Japanese have always been at the top of this game. Michito Kayama. It's dominated by Japan and the USA. Sebastian Wilkinson was about the best UK player for a long time. Backgammon is that 5,000-year-old board game with little pieces that you... Um, um try and get to one quadrant of the board if you've never played it it's a lot of fun it's always been very popular with gamblers stakes are raised through gammons and backgammons and the doubling cube that comes through it and it is played in casinos the problem with it um especially with the popularity of poker when a lot of backgammon players would go over to poker is um the commercialization of solvers first of all You can't really play online because it's very easy to be playing against someone who's using a solver. And so you don't want to play for high stakes money, which means that you can play in casinos. Again, there's a lot of cheating that can go on with these solvers can be hidden. And so really you only want to be playing in tournament play. And that massively limits the ability of backgammon to spread. Um in terms of advantage play, but it does have those two components that are necessary. It has luck and it has skill. You can have a very unskilled player who throws the dice just perfectly every single go and thinks that he's a winner. Um, And therefore, that at least it used to, it used to bring into the game a lot of people that thought that they were skillful, were actually terrible and over a larger sample size those guys would be losing their money in the cash games and in the tournament games and the backgammon halls at this moment in time in the world i would say that that accounted for 0.01 percent of current advantage players that are playing then you have poker players poker synonymous with the world series of poker um uh, The problem with poker is there was the explosion after Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker. And he was a guy who won a $27 online satellite into the $10,000 main event and then went and won the $10,000 main event to be the world champion. And all of a sudden, everybody thought that they could be a poker player. There was an explosion of online poker play. When I was in university, it was very easy to have an income by doing what all poker players should do and it's realizing not that you have to be the best in the world because not everybody can be a fader Holtz or a phil ivy but realizing your skill level relative to the skill level of the people that you're sat on a table with something i would do in the local casinos around is that i would could walk into a casino and if there was a load of drunk businessmen who are splashing cash around on a poker table you want to essentially be part of that game uh, but if they were all wearing hoodies and listening to earphones and none of them were drinking then you didn't want to be part of that game up in dusk dawn in nottingham or anything like that you could tell who the serious cash players were and who the splashy cash players were and the same online one very easy trick back in the early 2000s was um, uh, mid-2000s was to simply play online very early on a sunday and very early on a saturday and you would find that you were playing the guys from America who were up late on a Friday and up late on a Saturday. So this is game selection. These guys are up at three o'clock in the morning drinking beer over in America, and it's just easier to make good decisions against those guys than it is against people who are taking it a lot more serious than they are. Our problem with poker's popularity was that um, after Black Friday and it became banned in the United States of America, um... The um, amount of money that the sites were making started to reduce. They had a lot of overheads, especially um, um, Full Tilt Poker, where um, they are now responsible for a lot of the uh, legislation around safeguarding money because um, um, all of the funds that were being deposited into Full Tilt were being spent on the brand ambassador's expenses. Some of those guys were just picking up five and six Month, uh, figure monthly salaries um, which was coming from the players deposited money and it was, if it wasn't for poker stars coming in and bailing that out and um, getting a monopoly on the market over in Europe then um, the people would have been in serious trouble. So it's a lot harder these days to make money out of poker whilst still not impossible. A lot of people say you can't do it well you certainly can um, people do my, my advice as someone that's played it in the past is try not to do it online online the issue with online poker is that no matter how clever and studious you are, there will be some Russian 18-year-old mathematical whiz kid who's harder working, who is more studious, and who is simply better than you. And trying to beat online means that you are literally trying to beat the best in the world or whatever stakes you're playing, and that... Is difficult. Then in sports betting, you have a couple of different varieties. And I, by the way, I put the poker player demographic of the advantage player, um, player pull at 2%. In sports betting, you have. a variety of different people that have an edge and have an angle. You have insiders. So traditionally in horse racing, there will be people that have information about various stables, various horses, just anyone, perhaps within a football team, somebody that's got information on an injury or something like that. Well, those people will always have an edge over sports betting. If you know that uh, Harry Kane um, is carrying an injury, but is going to play, then you can lay him. If you know a horse is... um, has woken up and is weak, then you can lay the horse. You know, there will always be insiders. Bookmakers can try and limit the amount of exposure they have to people with more knowledge than them. But there are always going to be people with more knowledge than those people. Uh, I would say that they form about half a percent of the advantage player pool. Then you have sharps. Shops are people that simply can price up markets from base principles better than bookmakers are doing. The problem bookmakers, especially going forward, is they're offering so many markets in so many sports um, uh, that they cannot be experts in all of them if you want to try and beat the match odds on a premiership game that's shaped within an inch of its life by the most intelligent people in the world and so of course the bookmakers just follow the exchange lines but what about the secondary tertiary games the League Ones, League Twos, the National Leagues. What about the markets underneath, where we're looking at both teams to score an over 3.5 and win both halves and things like that? That can be set by people who are simply have a fantastic grasp of modelling and mathematics, historical data, and understand the concepts behind um, market making and probability. So there is a th- uh, those guys also, I think, take up about half a percent Maybe 1% of the advantage player pool. There is a third um, um, category of winning long-term sports bettors, and that's courtsiders, people that get information before anyone else can react. A horse has fallen at a, f- fallen at a fence, you can lay him. A point is taken in tennis, you can necessarily bet um, back or lay the person that's won or lost the point. But those are really arbitrage players. So for now, I'm just going to put courtsiders who are probably about, with the difficulty of actually physically having to go and sit somewhere, probably about 0.1% of the advantage player um but they sit under the match betting umbrella as far as i'm concerned in um brick and mortar casinos so we discussed how it's not really possible unless you're taking a bonus um from an online slot it's not really possible to beat it uh, it's not impossible because you know um some slots um We discussed recently how there was a new slot in America where the composition of the first screen started where there was a wild that just for one or two spins nudged the RTP over 100%. And if you can find something like that online, that is really the holy grail. Very difficult to do. A lot easier is to find um, ways of beating brick and mortar casinos so there are various different ways of doing this from the card counters which started in about you know, well card counting has been around since the 60s but the first teams were going into vegas in 1979 with jp massa bill Kaplan, who ran um their bankroll up th- to 35000 percent roi over nine months because again they were the, the sort of the first they were the first teams in there and so the casinos didn't have time to react to it. and with a lot of advantage play Being the first and being in there before everybody else is in there uh, means that you can make the most money. The people that were making the most money out of match betting, I trust you, trust me, are not doing it today because the returns are so insignificant to how they were back in 2005, 2006 with the £200 reloads at Bet 770 and things like that. As well, also in the casinos, you have... um, Uh, roulette machines that can be biased if you can find a table where um, it's not evenly falling um, in all 37 or 38 or (laughs) 39 slots um, equally. Um, The bloody triple zero. You're not going to find that on the Vegas Strip. You're not going to find that on um, the the major uh, UK cities, casinos, but you are going to find it in smaller countries and less regulated places where they don't know that um, the ball is falling um, in some numbers on the roulette wheel because it's uh, not perfectly balanced and it's an old machine that hasn't been calibrated recently. Um, And there are people out there who can go and determine that the distribution is off and they make money out of things like that, those biased wheels. There are also people, and there are even bookie-bashing members, we have them in the community, who can go out and who who could identify the progressive jackpot slots within uh, a casino and these are slots where it has to pay out a jackpot of 10 20 30 40 50 100 thousand pounds or dollars by a certain point now the trick that the programmers play is that the rate at which it reaches that point slows down exponentially the closer you get to the threshold meaning that it will very quickly rise from zero to halfway to the progressive jackpot and then it will slow down and it's that rate of slowing that you have to sort of understand where you are in the life cycle of that progressive jackpot at some point you are so close to that progressive jackpot hitting it's plus ev but without a knowledge or an understanding of the rate of slowing down then you don't know if the machine is plus EV or not to play. But when it's plus EV, you start, sit down, you start pumping 20, 50-pound notes into that machine, and you just play it until the progressive jackpot Um Hits, and then there are people that um, they, they take a little bit more specialised view of uh, making money from the bricks and mortar casinos. The back rat edge sorting, if you're able to sit down and identify the pattern of the back of cards, uh, is slightly wrong, and you can um, uh, um, narrow down the range of which that card could be just by looking at the pattern on the back of it. Then there is money to be made at Crockford's. Whether you get paid out or not is a different um, story or even just smaller little edges, like if a casino has a local spin the wheel um, and you can somehow figure out that um, the cogs aren't an equal distribution, but the casino thinks it is, or even you get a sneaky peek at a kind of... um, higher or lower playing card that they're going to flick over in the background. Perhaps that comes under fraudsters or cheaters slightly. But these guys that um, sort of determine edges in local bricks and mortar casinos, they probably only form 0.2% of the advantage player Venn Diagram, but they are the specialists, and they'll never share their edges because they get eroded so easily. Um, So, of course, they are the smallest of the Venn diagram. But I'm um, probably the most hardest working. Um, uh, and maybe some of them get some really fantastic rate of returns, but you'll never hear about it. That's the problem. I mean, by, by the time the edge is over, um, those guys are really long, so, um, are, are usually long gone. So, where do bookie bashers fit? Oh, uh, one more as well. Video poker compas, not so much in the UK, more over in America. Why video poker is... Well, video poker is the highest rate of return out of any game. You can get 99.7% ROI gains on video poker. And if a casino is going to comp you, is going to award you with um, sort of um, uh, money, tokens, meals, hotel rooms, points, some sort of reward system for playing with them, if you play perfect strategy at the highest EV... Um, or the highest, highest ROI game then even though you're losing money um, in the long run if you're playing a 99.7% video poker game perfectly then you're losing 30p for every £100 you stake but the reward that you're getting from... The casino, from the rooms, from the points, from the meals, um, outweighs that 30p out of 100, and you turn out to, to have positive expectations just through the simple manner of playing uh, video poker in a casino. If you want to hear more about that, the guys who talk about that primarily are Bob Dancer and Richard Munchkin over, over at the very excellent Gambling with an Edge podcast from Las Vegas. So where do bookie bashing sit from the above? Well, not really in any p- precision category, and a lot of people... Sort of do blur um, more than one segment of that venn diagram we're sort of a hybrid of you know shops and using the bookmakers own lines against themselves so whilst we're not market makers we're using the bookmakers lines and finding edges and angles in sort of other areas and um, other markets secondary and tertiary markets where we can actually get some money down at EV bets so um some people can't see that and we have had labelling that often misses the mark we've been called fakes and fraudsters and scammers charlatans scummers and cheats and chislers crooks liars bum hunters and quadruple uppers psychops thieves down and outs jokers connivers Pranksters, Prats, Prairians, Con Artists, Impostors, Swindlers, Shysters, Rogues, Rascals, Dodgers, Fakes, Quacks, Defrauders, Connivers, Wannabes, Arslickers, Schmoozers, Shysters, McDonald's employees, Monopoly employees, Sam Stofflers, Wafflers and Rofflers, but we're none of those. We're Bashers and I wish a Merry Christmas to you all. Did the Earth move fire, night? Did the Earth
0: move fire, night? Did the Earth move fire, night? Did the Earth move fire